Millennial Man Podcast, podcast.com. I am your host, Arden Kulik. And with me after running away for another month and gallivanting across the beautiful western New York skyline of Buffalo is the greatest other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I'm doing good. We, you know, we could have recorded a podcast. We were in the same place at the same time together yeah. in person, so we could have done something. Our kids recorded one. Yep, they did. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. But. Yeah, it's uh, it's nonsense <laughs> ravings of yep. a 13, 11, and 7-year-old. Yep, because the, what we're talking about is non-nonsensical. What we talk about is <laughs> hyper-important to the world. Ty, it took me three weeks, but I did the Barbaheimer. Saw Oppenheimer the weekend it opened, and the reason we went with Oppenheimer, my wife and I went with Oppenheimer before we went with Barbie, was because I knew Barbie was going to have legs, unlike idiots like Ben Shapiro. I knew the movie would still be in Barbie would be carrying on, and I had no idea if Oppenheimer would. And Oppenheimer, like, gosh, how long were we in the theater? Like three hours and 45 minutes? The movie's that long. <laughs> that's including all the stupid trailers and stuff. Uh, that's I still haven't seen either of them. I want to see both of them. We tried to go to see Barbie yesterday, but the timing didn't work out. Three hours, almost four hours in a movie theater yeah. is a very long time. And here's my brief, non-spoilery reviews of each of these movies. They're both excellent films. Oppenheimer mm -hmm. was a movie that after I saw it, I kept thinking about it. It's like a typical Christopher Nolan movie. It's the sound music is jacked way up and it sounds like the actors are mumbling. So that's mm. annoyance. But uh, were you the one person who sat in the front row at IMAX that, oh, I heard no. that went viral who sat <laughs> in the very front row of the IMAX theater? No, and we didn't. We only have one IMAX theater here in Cincinnati. I didn't see it there. With the way the writers and actor strike is going, there's a lot of rumors that a lot of movies are going to be re-released. And I know okay. they're already bumping some movies off of the schedule late this year. I think Dune Two might be Part Two is going to be moved off. And yeah, that's a rumor. Of, so if that happens, I probably will go see it in IMAX then. But I did see it in the the second best screen you can, which my wife hated, the one where the seats rumble and all that stuff. Yeah, she was not a fan of what she told me. <laughs> like, so it was a very good movie, very good performances. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's I, I've read the book it's based off of. It's done very well. And like I said, I, I keep thinking about it, keep thinking about his things. Barbie, on the other hand, is like a existential Jean-Paul Sartre play done with a little bit of comedic flair. And it is effing awesome. It is. That's what I've heard. I genuinely, it is one of the most enjoyable theater experiences I have ever had. And we went to go see it Saturday, middle of the afternoon. Theater was 80% full. Wow. And this That's is good. weeks after this movie has come out. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, when everybody's going to obviously talk about, well, Oppenheimer's a more serious movie. Ty, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be championing Barbie all the way through its award season and everything like that. It was such a well, first off, compared to Oppenheimer, where I knew my ass knew I'd been sitting there for four hours. <laughs> Barbie, less than two hours, and it flew by. And that's the thing with Barbie, too. Like, I remember when it was announced, I'm like, oh, this would be weird. And then I saw the people attached to it and Margot Robbie. I'm like, okay. But then Ryan Gosling and Simu Liu, Michael Sarah, Issa Rae. Then it's written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. And it's directed by Greta Gerwig, I thought there was going to be, and even in the trailer, the massive trailer for Margot Robbie as the main Barbie says, do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> so I assumed it was going to be a little bit more serious. Than, I believe it's rated PG-13 yeah. also, but 
That's the thing too. You mentioned it's been out for weeks. I actually, we were looking to maybe go see a movie yesterday in my house here, my wife and my kids. And I wanted to see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. So I went to look for screenings of that. Barbie and Oppenheimer, but more so Barbie, are controlling every movie theater out here in St. Louis. And I think that's a good thing. Like With Oppenheimer, there's obviously the big key scene that everybody's waiting for, the atomic bomb. And again, it's Nolan, so the music is just pounding. It's just huge. And then that scene happens, and I nobody can hype it enough for how absolutely incredible it was. You texted me, I think, right <laughs> after you saw it to tell me about it. Where it had to pay off, it had to pay off. In the areas of Barbie, though, the comedic parts are obviously great, and the... The movie has got an incredible message for especially women, especially mothers. It's got Mm -hmm. an incredible message. It does everything really well. And my wife said the one, the big Ken fight at the end was a little overlong, but I'm like, no, I think it it earned it. The other weird thing about it, so I saw Indiana Jones, I said a while ago, the most expensive movie ever made. Oppenheimer was made for a third of that movie. It was made for under... Now, to be fair... People like Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr. all took pay cuts to be in this sure. movie. So yeah. They probably t- didn't have to de-age anybody either for out <laughs> So you talk about, though, that how they've taken over movie theaters, and that's what brought me to this topic, was what are some other two movies that open, actually one of these I have is three, that opened on the exact same day and just pe- went on to become iconic one way or the other. And I divide it into two halves here. The first half is counter-programming. Like Barbie okay. versus Oppenheimer. Uh, yeah. I, I remember telling my wife that Barbie just crossed a billion dollars. Oppenheimer just crossed half a billion dollars. I think 90% of the people that see Oppenheimer will see Barbie. It's just that yeah, type of I thing. Yeah. But maybe 20% of the people that see Barbie are going to also see Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, that's a, again, I want to reiterate that I was trying to go see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles movie. So that's where I am. But I think if you told me, like, oh, you can only see one of these, I would pick Barbie. Because, mm-hmm. that again, I don't want to sit in a movie theater well, yeah. for four hours. I also don't want to be, like, depressed and upset mm-hmm. the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, not that, I'm uh, sure Barbie uh, would be that, but not <laughs> like Oppenheimer would, in my opinion. But, again, I haven't seen either movie. Both movies end with a mic drop moment. Oppenheimer, it's just the whole world blowing up. So Okay. <laughs> 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 not quite the same with Barbie. But anyways, yeah. they're both about essentially about the end of the world, though, which is another weird okay. thing about those movies. So yeah. the first one oh, in the second half, I'm going to do movies that came out the same day that are almost like one of them I'm going to tell you about. You're, my mind was blown when I saw these movies came out the same day because it's for the same okay. audience. So oh, the, right. the first one, this is probably the most famous one, the one that a lot of people, the social media wasn't as big when this came out. But on uh, July 18th of tw- uh, 2008, speaking of Christopher Nolan, his follow-up to Batman Begins opened with The Dark Knight. Incredible hype around this movie, especially mm-hmm. after the tragic death of Heath Ledger. And yep. everybody, and look, th- there's no need to say what The Dark Knight means. It's cons- widely considered one of the greatest films of the 21st century. It's widely yeah. considered in the quote-unquote superhero genre, the greatest film ever. It made over a billion dollars. Gosh, that movie was two and a half hours long, too. I went to see that on opening night uh, with my wife, but we went until a four o'clock showing of that one. I remember we were walking out and for the eight or eight thirty showing, there was a line almost to the door of the movie theater for people to see that again, a two and a half hour long 
superhero movie. And I remember seeing the line because the showing my wife and I went to was sold out as well. But again, that was like a four or five o'clock showing. This late night showing on opening night was I've never seen a crowd like that in a theater. The exact same day in the theater right next door, which probably didn't have quite the line, the movie Mamma Mia opened. Our dad's favorite movie, one of our dad's favorite movies. (laughs) Now, Mamma Mia, like, it it obviously just got leveled by The Dark Knight. Knight. But it held on to become, I think it was the fourth most, made the fourth most amount of money in 2008, ended up making about $700 million. And you just talk about the ultimate encounter programming is Mm -hmm. The Dark Knight and Mamma Mia come out the same day, both go on to become legendary film mama me is way better than that movie deserves to be but yeah again that's a, i've never seen that movie like sat down and watched from start to finish i will go over to my my wife and i and my kids will go over to my folks house a lot and our dad will have that movie on i've never sat down and watched it and i used to be so against it but as i've gotten older i'm like yeah this movie isn't terrible like it, it's fun it's mm-hmm. a fun movie but again Dark Knight had this, like you said, massive hype that it more than lived up to Mm -hmm. around around that. Now, sticking with Batman here, there's the original, the 1989 Batman movie, the one directed by uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yeah. It was another movie. I'll always remember the one sheet of it, the poster of it, just the bat symbol. That's it. Another movie, again, well before social media. But if you read old magazines like Starlog, people just losing their damn minds that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman because he's going to be terrible. It just all everything surrounding. Plus, I was telling somebody this the other day. Not only did you get a Batman movie with Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice playing Batman, Prince did the soundtrack. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is this movie a, a, a podcast i listened to a joke on that bobby moynihan plays batman the way that mm-hmm. podcast opens is with the prince song from that movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just so many crazy things and batman came out and it lived up to the hype it's another mm-hmm. just iconic film and when i give you these box office numbers you're going to be like that's not that much but well it, 89 it made 400 and just over 410 million at the box office which wow. is probably close to double now if you adjust yeah. for what things are worth Again, it was very well received, created a franchise, went mm-hmm. on and on. And then if you went right next door, you could go see Rick Moranis in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Again, I, I said up top I'd want to watch Barbie because it's less serious, but I definitely picked these two <laughs> Batman movies. And I enjoyed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as a kid, but Batman, you're right. I remember it was the same thing with Christian Bale. People were like, why do they have this super serious actor? So that must have been weird to see Michael Keaton cast as Batman, but... He made it work. Yeah. He did great with it. See, I remember Batman. It was the old Chesterfield 4 movie theater. Oh, yeah. And there was, again, a, a line of people. That's where I went to go see it. I, I can't even I, I can't even remember seeing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But that's another movie back in 89. It made like $225 million. Wow. I saw it on VHS. That's how old I am. I watched it on VHS. But yeah, I didn't see I didn't see either of them. The I was only seven when both of those came out anyway. Now, to go along with how wide they cast that guy in this movie, Die Hard, which everybody says is a Christmas movie. It actually came out on July 15th of oh, 1988. Okay. But Summer movie. <laughs> another movie. And the whole history of Die Hard is kind of interesting. It was It's based off of a book written in like the 60s at Frank Sinatra. What? Yeah, he <laughs> held the rights to. So when they made Die Hard, they had to... It was they had to contractually offer Sinatra the part of John McClane. And he oh, wow. said something like, I'm too damn old for that. 
and mm-hmm. they bring in Bruce Willis, who again, moonlighting and Bartles mm-hmm. and James commercials and <laughs> stuff like that. I, just not, not an action hero type of guy. And yeah. then the villain played by Alan Rickman is that's his first movie ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, he came out with a bang. Oh, yeah. That is a dope role. Yeah. And he was a stage actor, but this was his first movie ever. And again, Die Hard, it ended up, its box office was estimated to be about $140 million. Huge movie. It has evolved into this point where Die Hard's a Christmas movie and everybody talks about it. Again, created a franchise, which... The next two diehards are okay. I think they're mm-hmm. good. The one with Sam Jackson, I think, is pretty good. I never I like saw any of the other yeah. ones after that. No, me neither. Uh, but I do the one with Samuel L. Jackson. I think that one's pretty good. Now, on the same day, and this is a movie I was talking with somebody about the other day, and this movie actually did better than Die Hard. It made about $190 million. But it's one of the biggest movies I think everybody forgets about. Open the exact same day. It's not a whatchamacallit. It's not a Monty Python movie. It's got a lot of Monty Python people in it. A Fish mm-hmm. Called Wanda. Oh, yeah. That's one of my wife's favorites. That's a, it's, I enjoy that movie. read that some people find Kevin Clyde's character problematic. Yeah, yeah like he won the Oscar. And again, it, this, was ba- this movie made more money than Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Die Hard was the counter program to this. Yeah, and A Fish Called Wanda is like this funny caper action. Like, it does a lot of different genres in it. I, again, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have enjoyed it the couple of times I've watched it. Now, this next one is probably the second most surprising one that I saw when I came out of this. (laughs) One of the movies is probably, it's probably on a lot of people's list of one of the 10 best American films ever made. The other one I think unfairly gets compared to the movie that came before it. And it's I'll talk about that when it comes, because there's a famous joke about it. But this was on November. Yeah, November 22nd. So the Thanksgiving kind of weekend, the big Thanksgiving day. Two movies came out into the theater. One of them was a let's see if this works type movie. And the other one was supposed to win tons of Oscars. The little movie that they just wanted to see if it was worked is a film called Toy Story. Oh, that definitely worked and won a lot. Of, <laughs> all right, I'm sure later won Oscar. No, it's, it. I think it's Toy Story 2 basically invented the animated movie Oscar. Okay, all right. Toy Story had a great cast, had a, mm-hmm. it was a incredible, and it's going to be really weird because there's a tie between this and the other movie that came out the same day. It's You actually read through the cast of Toy Story, and the only one that kind of sticks out is Tim Allen. What the hell is yeah. Tim Allen? But I guess he's bigger than that. But he's, he's Buzz Lightyear also. Yeah, no. So he's a problematic dude. But I, yeah, but Tom Hanks, man. He's uh-huh. Woody. And this was the first official Pixar full-length movie, and Toy Story is only 81 minutes long. Excellent. That's yeah. what I love. <laughs> <laughs> Again, started a franchise. Not only started a franchise, started an entire movement of movies. Mm-hmm. These kind of animated films that have very adult messages to them. That yeah, adults well, can- it's... They're the type of animated movies that are for kids and for adults, which is great. The history of that movie, just getting into the theater, it was a struggle. It was hard Mm -hmm. to get there. And like a lot of people talk about Pixar and they think of it as Disney, but it's not. Pixar was invented by George Lucas. Yeah. And then Pixar's its own thing. Yeah. And then he brought in Steve Jobs to Mm -hmm. run it. And Steve Jobs took it over and then took it to Disney. And Kind of the famous thing about Steve Jobs is when he passed away, he made more money from Pixar and Disney than he ever did with Apple. 
Wow. But this is basically, yeah, this is basically what Steve Jobs was doing between his times of running Apple was wow. running Pixar. So, okay. <laughs> and this was a movie that he really championed, brought it to the forefront. But the movie it was supposed to, the kids could go see Toy Story while the parents went in next door to go see the film Casino. <laughs> Our mom loves that movie. My favorite thing ever about Casino is when David Spade was on SNL and he would do his like movie minute thing or whatever it was called and he'd say Casino, but I liked it better the first time when it was called Good <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's always what I've compared that movie to is David Spade saying that. I, again, I, I'm sure people will get mad. I don't like Goodfellas, nor do I like what I've seen of Casino, so... I'd much rather watch Toy Story. Yeah, now here's part of the issue with Casino. It came after Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's got Danny, or not Danny to be, that'd be great. Joe Pesci and uh-huh. Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone over yeah. at that. I, yeah. So I like there's one person that was in Toy Story and Casino. Do you know who it is? Is it George Went? No, no. George Went is not no. the dude from Cheers who's in. No, yeah. I don't know who it is. Don Rickles. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even in Casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's actually, I think, the best part of Casino. It's uh, and okay. it there's a brutal uh, the way Pesci's character goes out in this is yeah. incredible. It's more brutal. He gets buried alive. Yeah, buried alive, people. Yeah, spoiler alert. For <laughs> yeah, well. that came out years and years ago. And again, Toy Story has gone on to become just again probably listed as one of the ten greatest films ever. Whereas Casino is looked at as lesser. Martin Scorsese and Sharon Stone was nominated for an Oscar, but it, I don't really think any other major, I don't think any other major awards was, were they nominated for it? it, Casino's kind of seen as a letdown in all honesty. But again, I don't like Goodfellas either. So maybe don't come to me for Martin Scorsese recommendations. (laughs) Now I tie all these together. Let's continue down the Robert De Niro path. Now, I was convinced, actually, this movie came out on my birthday, and I was way, way off. This was okay. a winter movie, December 15th in 1995. Two one, days after my birthday. Dude. Yes. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite movies. It is an incredible. There, Even somebody has recreated the iconic scene in this movie in Grand Theft Auto. And this is Michael Mann thriller, Heat. With never seen it. Oh man, it's a good movie. That's <laughs> everybody such a good keeps telling me I need to watch it. I've never seen it. He was again. It's Michael Mann. It's uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I think it's the first time they're in a movie together since Godfather Two, and oh, wow. they never shared any screen time in Godfather Two. And it's just mm-hmm. a f- where Pacino plays this cop and De Niro plays this criminal, and they're just sitting down at a table having a conversation one of the most tense scenes in movie history mm-hmm. i've uh, heard the movie's great I've oh yeah i've never seen it yeah there's uh ashley judd val kilmer's in it who was a uh, tom sizemore who again oh, wow. rest in peace problematic person but there's just certain mm-hmm. movies that he's Reservoir in that dogs. yeah that you're just <laughs> like oh wow it, it is heat is i think just in a great film okay came out the same day that jumanji did <laughs> so I did. I saw Jumanji in the theaters, and I liked it when I saw it. It was the first time I've seen. I remember seeing that, and the first time I saw special effects, and was like, "Man, this is crazy!" And tell you what, I even liked the new Jumanji movies with Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Karen Gillan, and The Rock. I like. I thoroughly enjoyed Jumanji. 
Yeah, I haven't seen the new ones. I should. I'm- the first, the so I, a peep behind the curtain, I, we're recording this on a Monday because I'm going to Mexico. The first time I saw, the first new Jumanji with the rock in it that I saw was the last time I was in Mexico. It happened to be on one of their HBO channels that was English speaking channels. So we, <laughs> my wife and I watched it one day. I got a, a crazy one to end this half on. But before I do that, I do have to talk about this because these are two movies that were buried. People didn't think they were going to do anything. And again, they've both gone on to, one of them has gone on to be one of the most defining movies, even though it came out in 1999 of the 21st century. Both of these movies came out on March 31st of 1999. And this was, that was the time you buried movies. You were like, okay, I've got this movie, I'm going to put it out. Now, the first one I'm going to talk about is the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. I just recently saw that for the first time ever, and I love that movie. Mm -hmm. And it was... You're in this era of these teen like comedies where mm-hmm. it's oh she's wearing glasses and has a ponytail. <laughs> I'm, Not another teen movie. <laughs> yes, Dude, that does. movie is so good. Yes, it does. But ten things I hate about you. It's a remake of the Shakespeare play, The Taming of the Shrew. First movie that anybody saw Heath Ledger in. So good in it too. Uh, it was the first big movie of an adult just Joseph Gordon Levitt. Mm-hmm. So launch these people again. It's a movie that. When people go back and look at things like she's all that or whatever, yeah, and they lump this movie in, that's really insulting to this movie. Absolutely. And the music, the soundtrack oh, is yeah. like oh. quintessential late yes. 90s, early 2000s. It came out the exact same day that The Matrix came out. <laughs> that's another, I've never seen The Matrix. <laughs> oh. I've never seen that movie. Again, I know what it's all about. I know the whole story and Red Pill, Blue Pill. We made a joke about that the other night at dinner, but I've never seen that movie. The Matrix, I think, is genuinely a great movie. It is sure. genuinely a really good movie. The I saw the sequel, which has one of the greatest car chases ever, and it's an incredibly dumb movie. I didn't okay. bother to see the third one, and part of me wants to see the one that came out just like last Christmas, because yeah. it's basically the Wachowskis telling all the people like Elon Musk and Trumpers and stuff that they're all idiots and they don't understand the Matrix. Oh, nice. So it, okay, a cool. lot of people don't like the movie, but part of it is it's the Wachowskis giving out all the right way to middle finger, supposedly. Mm, good. Good. Now, now I'm going to end here on uh, two movies, Ty, that in nobody's right mind was somebody thinking of counter-programming these movies. Again, one of them had all the hype in the world surrounding it. The movie AI by Steven Spielberg. It was going to be a Stanley Kubrick movie, and he died. Mm -hmm. And Spielberg basically shot Kubrick's version. A lot of people that complain about the end of this movie is like, Kubrick would have never done that. No, Kubrick was going to do it that way. And I don't hate the ending of this movie. But you've probably, have you seen AI? Nope. Again, I know Haley Joel Osment's in it. I know Jude Law's in it. I know the story behind it, but yet I've never seen it. It's it's a slow movie. It's a thinking movie. I, I remember I talked about Oppenheimer at the top. It's that type of movie. I think it's absolutely one of my favorite Spielberg movies. I think it's great. And okay. little did I know when I was sitting there watching AI back in, what was the date on this one? Back on June 29th, 2001. So big movie day. Little mm-hmm. did I know that I could have walked just next door and seen a little known film that absolutely did terrible in the movie theater called Pootie Tang. Oh, <laughs> Man, I, I love that movie, and I get it. Louis C.K. is a yeah. monster. I don't like him anymore. 
Hootie Tang is incredible. That movie with Wanda Sykes is one of the greatest <laughs> characters of all Biggie, time. What is it, Biggie Smalls? Something. No, Biggie Smalls is notorious, but oh, yeah, 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 Biggie yeah. Shorty. Biggie, Biggie Shorty, Shorty. That was it, yeah. The way Pootie Tang spoke in that movie, J.B. Smoove, my introduction to him, he's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> to watch the gentleman who played Pootie Tang, and I don't know what else he's ever been in, but to watch him rub pie all over his body and say nonsense <laughs> and whip people with a belt. That movie, you, me, our oldest brother, our other, all four of us, the four boys in our family, we quote that movie endlessly. And again, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but man, that movie still makes me laugh to this day. Lance Crowther is Booty no. Tane. And come on, Ty, he's what's his name in CB4? He's the. Oh, is he the going to make you sweat till you bleed type guy? He's in, I can't think of the name of that band, but I know who, yeah, yeah. he's the singer who sings like cheesy r and <laughs> yes, like He's yeah, the guy yeah. who raps over it. Yeah. 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 He's mainly a writer. He's written for a Saturday Night Live and Wanda Sykes show. He wrote for Bill Maher. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he wrote for the Wayne Brady show. He's okay. doing David Spade's show right now talking about so. He's mainly a writer, but yeah, that's... Oh, and Chris Rock is in that movie, too, like yep. playing multiple roles. And to see a gentleman get attacked by another gentleman in a gorilla mask <laughs> or gorilla suit, it's just so absurd and so funny. That's what I... This first half, I wanted to talk about movies that just were for total, two totally different audiences. <laughs> I'm in that weird part where AI and Pootie Tang, but there's no other human being. <laughs> no, I've never even seen AI. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. All right, Ty. So the point of the first half of this was like with Barbie and Oppenheimer, there is something for, if you're looking for two very different kind of movies, those were your options. Like well, AI and Pootie Tang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There is sometimes in some situations, and as I go through a lot of these movies, this was mostly in the 1980s, so you don't see this quite as often. And one of these days, we'll do a podcast on what's called twin movies, two movies Mm -hmm. that come out the same year, around the same time, that have very similar plots. Like, uh, as an example, this year, there's two Dracula movies. There was the one with Nick Cage, and and then there's a a straight-up horror movie called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. The Demeter is the ship that brought Dracula 
from Transylvania uh, to to London. So okay, it's and I'll explain. We'll do another podcast about that. I'll explain that phenomena. What is happened. that? The A twenty four one with Willem Dafoe? No, I don't think so. I uh, who knows? Anyway, but <laughs> it's nothing against A twenty four because they make great stuff. But this looks like a really expensive movie, oh, and they okay. don't do that type of stuff. No, they don't. Yep. So. <laughs> they don't. You're right. But a lot of times you'll get movies that somehow they come out like these movies I'm going to talk about here come out the same day that are very similar. And that's just bad planning. The first two I'm going to talk about really just blow my mind. But there's a reason that they came out at this time. And as a matter of fact, I think the next few movies, they all came around that same time. Now, we did a whole podcast about 1982 and how it may be the greatest year of genre films ever. Mm -hmm. And in that year, you had a movie called Blade Runner that came out. Greatest sci-fi movie ever made. <laughs> so Blade Runner was, I was just talking to sometimes contributor Kirk Augustine about that movie. And I was telling him how I think that's the greatest science fiction movie. Ever. Yeah. We had a very good conversation about that. Blade Runner. Like it was a, a disaster at the box office. It did terrible. And it's a movie whose legend has just grown as time has gone on. They've obviously, you had a young Ridley Scott make it. And he's been able to, kind of, when people talk about George Lucas tinkering with the movie, he's tinkered with this movie for 40 years now. So many times, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the movie carries weight. It's really good. But this, and this is what shocked me. On the same day, another just absolute box office disaster. But the exact same day Blade Runner came out, John Carpenter's The Thing came out. Oh, that's another. I just watched that recently, like last Halloween, because everybody kept saying, you got to watch this. It's a great monster movie. That movie rips. That yes. movie is so good. It's so ahead of its time. The acting in that is that movie is superb. That is a superb movie. And I know there's no women in it and that's problematic, but that movie is yeah. awesome. No, it's great. It's but those two movies. Are, now, the reason why is they were trying to avoid E.T., the movie oh, E.T. Really? had come out, and so they were like, oh, we're going to push our movies over here. They just happened to come out the same day, and people hated them because they weren't E.T. <laughs> and this is, again, nothing against E.T. because I love that movie. Yeah. It's one of the few Blu-rays I still own. Blade Runner and The Thing are for grown-ups. E.T. Yeah. is for kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole, the whole deal there. The Thing famously, Roger Ebert gave it a bad review, and years later went back and said, I'm wrong. That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Good for him. And Blade Runner... It, when we talk, when I was talking about Mamma Mia, how it it just kept making. And Barbie's a great example of this. Barbie's making fifty million dollars every weekend now it, because mm-hmm. people are they're going again, they're going to show it to people. Blade Runner has that, but over decades. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. I think I was in high school when the director's cut came out, and that kind of everybody it reignited everybody's interest in it. And mm-hmm. it just again just kept going, and then you had Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think he's making another one. There's rumors of a tel- television series. Okay, yeah, I don't know if they're making it. another movie, but yeah, there's rumors of a television series. But that, yeah, it's just weird that those two. I really liked Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Also, yes. Oh, yeah. Honestly, so, <laughs> so also around this is actually a little bit earlier, but again in eighty two, you had the Tobe Hooper or as people think Steven Spielberg directed film Poltergeist that came out, Ooh, which was scary. yeah was very successful. Again, a little bit more grown up it wasn't Mm -hmm. people thought the thing was disgusting and people thought blade runner was too dorky or they couldn't understand the movie the poltergeist was it was for the audience again the parents that took their kids to see et they could go see a movie they wanted to themselves and it did fairly well it did pretty good exact same day though and again i know the story behind this one star trek 2 the wrath of khan came out 
oh man, I've never seen that, but I know how big that movie is and how important that movie is and everybody loves it. Look, I think it's great. I absolutely love that movie. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing about it. So Star Trek, the motion picture came out a few years earlier and the TV show had been off the air for about 10 years. You go watch Star Trek, the motion picture. It's a sci-fi movie. It's what Mm -hmm. you think of, or even I think of Star Trek. It's not that this movie is 2001 kind of sci-fi really yeah and i think it's really good actually hbo max has it's called like the director's edition or something like that where the effects are cleaned up a little bit and uh, there's a couple of scenes that were restored and i I think it's really good it's a it's a very interesting movie but this is coming out on the heels of star wars and people didn't like it it didn't do that it's long i want to say it's two and a half hours long and it feels long, but um, yeah. <laughs> so when they came back and they wanted to make another one, they wanted to make an action adventure movie, and that's what Star Trek Two is. It's it's under two hours. It's exciting. It's got Ricardo Montalban and William Shatner just chewing scenery like mad. It As is. They should. I spoiler for a forty year old movie, people, <laughs> but it's got the iconic death scene of a major character when Spock dies. It's it created all of these little things that we know today in movies and it was successful it was very successful but they didn't know how successful it'd be it say it's star trek we'll put it there but we're gonna throw it up against a spielberg movie and both movies made about a hundred million dollars for 82 that's yeah buco books that's some canon level film and it would go like it, it changed star trek after that it, people were interested in it again the next generation show was coming out ended up having the star trek 3 is considered one of the worst films ever made but uh, star trek 4 the one with the whales is the one like somebody made a joke it's that's the star trek movie your mom went to go see so ah. it really <laughs> solidified its fan base again and people now you'll hear some of the guys that are and it's always guys that are big of Star course. Trek dudes that are like, well, that's not Star Trek for me. That's whatever. It created, made it a super viable franchise. Okay. Now, this one absolutely makes no sense to me. I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if there is a problem with scheduling or what. And two movies, again, they both, well, one of them made about $100 million more than the other, but each of these made over $200 million. Both of these movies came out June 8th of 1984. Both of these movies have Tons of talent around them, so I don't know why anybody thought they should come out the same day. And they're both kind of supernatural comedy horror films, and that's Ghostbusters and Gremlins. Oh, why would they release those both on the same day? (laughs) Those movies could have owned the weekend that they were released if they were released on different weekends. And Ghostbusters, I think, was the biggest movie of 1984. It again you had it's one of the best movies ever yeah the a couple interesting things about ghostbusters is eddie murphy was supposed to be in it Uh uh-huh just with some background character and he ended up going to do i want to say trading places oh okay he either went to go do that or i don't think 48 hours i think that was earlier but he went on to do a different iconic movie yeah movie famously written by harold ramis Mm -hmm. and they brought in john belushi was supposed to play bill murray's role and died so they gave it to bill murray it's one of those movies again i don't know what you feel about the second ghostbusters movie i like it well Uh, enough i like the second ghostbusters movie i enjoy the one with kate mckinnon kristen wig leslie jones and melissa mccarthy but that first one is 
it's the the best one. It, yeah, it came out and hit a grand slam. Yeah, it's it, an incredible. And movie. You, there's never anything like that. There's never a movie no. like this. It's it's no. still we don't have movies like this. <laughs> no, I know they did the the reboot or whatever from a couple of years back. I haven't seen it. I, just, I haven't seen it either. It yeah. was on cable and I was going to watch it. I was like, oh, I'll do something else. But then Gremlins. First off, yeah. Gremlins again, written by Chris Columbus. And mm-hmm. he was a known writer at the time, produced by Steven Spielberg, directed by Joe Dante. I, this it had, and I don't know why Gremlins even came out then. It's another Christmas movie. They should put it in the Christmas time. Yeah, but, totally. But yeah, just this little movie just, about supernatural beings that are here. And I know Gremlins are different from ghosts and whatever, but it's just they're way, way too. They could have dominated different weekends if they were out yeah. on different weekends. Yeah, I, and I'm sure Ghostbusters dominated, but I'm sure Gremlins didn't. No, as I say, Gremlins made over 200 million, Ghostbusters made oh. close to 300 million. So both movies wow. were it again to bring it back to the Oppenheimer thing. Everybody went to see Ghostbusters and then 90% of that audience went to go see Gremlins. Yeah, so. that's what I, I think I saw Ghostbusters 6 or 7 times before I watched Gremlins. Now, this, I just, I, the, these aren't by any means big movies in any way. These are the types of things that were pl- probably playing at the Tivoli. But <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because you have to find a time to put these movies out. And these two films happen to open on the same day. I could have put this in the first half, but I actually think these movies are way more similar than people think. And that's in March 13th of 1987. You could have gone to a double billing of Raising Arizona and Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah. And you get a little bit different, but both are funny. Both are quietly funny. Again, on our trip, I was talking to our oldest brother about Raising Arizona. And for people who know him, that's his favorite movie of all time. And he was just endlessly quoting it. But Evil Dead 2, that's another good one, man. That's another funny Bruce Campbell, weird, gory, but funny at the same time. Both of those movies are excellent. Raising Arizona is uh, the Coen Brothers' second movie. What's and, their first movie? I thought that was a uh, movie first called one. Blood Simple. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, it's the movie that everybody thinks, like you said, is the first Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. It's a extraordinarily well put together movie. Very strange. Um, oh, and incredibly funny. Yeah. A weird little thing about it, but the year that Nicolas Cage won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. Holly Hunter won the Oscar for the piano. Oh, nice. Okay, so two Oscar winners in there. Everybody's like a Raising Arizona reunion with the two of them Mm -hmm. when they won. Holly Hunter is so good in Raising Arizona. Mm -hmm. So good. (laughs) And I think it might have been the first big movie with John Goodman. He's another great one in there, too. It's just what was weird to me about Raising Arizona is a number of people in the movie who, who were on the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, really? Yeah, there's tons of like people, even like little side characters and stuff, but they're all on Tracy Ullman. And then Evil Dead 2. The original Evil Dead was a student film. It was when Sam Raimi oh. and Bruce Campbell were in college together and they made this little thing and it got this cult following. So they decided, let's make it again because Evil Dead 2 is basically Evil Dead with mm-hmm. a huge, massive slapstick fight, tons of blood and gore, and yeah. lean into Bruce Campbell being, being a comic actor. Being Bruce Campbell. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially where he got got. I love both of those movies. I, yeah. I have nothing bad to say about either one of those movies. And it, it was and again, Evil Dead 2 went on to just have this huge life. It spawned its own sequel with Army of Darkness. And uh-huh. it's that, another great one. Yeah, and now they have they're more I think does A twenty four do the new Evil Dead? 
You know what? I don't think so, but I'm not certain on that. Just off the top of my head, I realized it's not A24. But the new ones, though, are like, especially the last one that came out, the Evil Dead Rise, people think are great. Now they're yeah, like, they're not scary. the same. Yeah, they're not the yeah. same Raimi Evil Dead movies, but no, they're like, they're scary. These are great. I'm going to, before I get to the last one, which is going to be infuriating in some ways, <laughs> is the, there was, it, I just brought this up because I thought this is just weird. And again, this could have been probably in the first half, but it's still, just something super strange that you could have walked into a theater that three movies, three movies that are well known today all came out on the exact same day. All came out on June 12th, 1981. Now the first one moderately successful film is the movie class of the Titans. Okay. The one with Harry Hamlin, Lawrence Olivier plays Zeus. It's just a walk through Greek mythology, had all the Harry house had the Harryhausen effects. It's iconic in that the Medusa scene in it. Great. It's these old like adventure style type movies, like the old Sinbad movies or things like that. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Pretty big movie. Did fairly well. It made about $70 million. Right next door, though, was another little movie that came out called History of the World Part One. Okay. I, yeah, I watched that <laughs> right before I watched History of the World Part Two. I love Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah. A Mel Brooks movie, and this is Hyde of Mel Brooks. He's off of Young Frankenstein, and he's off of things like The Producers and mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles and all that. A lot of people talk about the golden age of Mel Brooks, and they say this is the last movie of that, because after this, he does more kind of slapsticky things like Spaceballs or Robin. Spaceballs is good. I do. I like Spaceballs, but a lot of people <laughs> lump Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein in one category, and Ah. History of the World Part 1 balances between the two. But again, good, funny movie, enjoyable movie. And then, in the theater right next to that, you could go see another little tiny film called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, man. (laughs) I would love... Again, I've never seen Clash of the Titans. I didn't even see the remake that they made, but History of the World is fantastic. This is a great triple billing of movies. The same day. They all came out on the same day. Yeah, and the thing that's weird to me about it is not so much the history of the world one, is Raiders of the Lost Ark and Clash of the Titans came out. Yeah, because they're similar. Yeah, they're these adventure movies. And look, you go watch the two movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark looks like somebody could have made it today. Clash of the Titans in 81 looked like somebody made it in 1970. Does it look like Army of Darkness? Yes, yeah. But that's what I mean by the Harryhausen type effects is it's all the stop motion, things like that. It's an enjoyable movie. It's a fun little movie. But Raiders of the Lost Ark just blows it out of the water. And for people who don't know, Army of Darkness did that on purpose. They yes. made the graphics look like that on purpose. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, with Clash of the Titans made $70 million, pretty good. This is 1981. Raiders mm-hmm. made $400 million. Holy cow. So that'd probably be <laughs> close to a billion. Yes, easily. You know, Justin, wow. That's crazy. All right. I'm going to end on two movies that occupy everybody's time in a few months from now. Both of these movies came out on November 7th of 2003. I'm actually cheating because the second movie I'm going to talk about had a very limited release the week before. Just a handful of screens. matter. Yeah, that's not. But it officially opened up the same day as this other movie. The first movie I'm going to talk about, wildly successful, wildly well-known. And when I tell you, Ty, it made less money than the second one, you are going to be shocked. Okay. So the first movie is Elf. Oh, November 7th, movie. 2003. Uh, John that movie Fa- is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the first time I ever heard John Favreau as a director. Yeah. 
Yeah, Will Ferrell. Zoe Tom Favreau did write Sweeteners, though. Sure, but I, yeah, I, this is him directing. No, like, it is. Yeah, Mary Steenburgen and the husband whose name I can't think of right now, James so, Con. James Con. My wife just told me she's <laughs> making egg salad while we're going. Oh, she's gonna <laughs> enjoy because the very same day, and it only opened in three hundred theaters compared to the thousand Elf did. But as the weeks went on, everybody saw it and kept seeing it, and it made more money than Elf, and that's love, actually. Oh, I. <laughs> Despise that movie. <laughs> Very well known. It's one of my wife's favorite. I love actually is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, it doesn't surprise me that it made more money than Elf. And they're both Christmas movies and it makes sense. But Elf is so much better. Elf is for everybody, I feel like. I, I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. The only person I really even like in Love Actually is Bill Nighy. <laughs> And I swear to God, that dude who came to America with a British accent was just li- living like some kind of coma dream. Yes. Because there's oh, no yeah. way that actually Oh, I still, show. to this day, when What's-Her-Name <laughs> from 24 shows up and all of her friends. <laughs> oh, Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah, I'm like, they yeah. are going to murder that man. One hundred percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. And also, we've been to Wisconsin a lot. Nobody oh, really looks like. No. But I, I, when I go back to some of these things like Blade Runner and The Thing or Ghostbusters and Gremlins, yeah. Elf in Love, actually, the exact mm-hmm. same day. I think they probably thought, oh, John Favreau directed movie with Will Ferrell starring as Elf. Nobody's going to like this movie. And it's this massive hit. Love, actually, I think had a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. It. I, Love, actually, had a bigger budget. Or like direct yesterday. Didn't he direct Love, actually? Isn't, wasn't that one of his first big movies? Like. Curtis or something? Richard Curtis. Yeah. Curtis. So Love Actually had the push behind it. I think Elf was like, we're just going to dump this on the audience and see what happens. And it's become this massive thing. Yeah. And, and it had. And as I say, both of these movies are just, they're honestly, they're like a Christmas story or. Uh, 100%. Or what is the one where the guy wants to kill himself? Why can't I think of it? And the uh, it's say, a wonderful life. Yeah. It's a wonderful life. I love that's what you think. <laughs> I'm actually thinking of the Beavis and Butthead one where the angel's trying to convince them to kill themselves because everything will be better. (laughs) Anytime I hear anybody mention It's a Wonderful Life, I always think of the Simpsons where they get robbed. Our Bart says they got robbed. And then Lisa's playing the piano and they're doing the whole It's a Wonderful Life thing and Homer stops. Cut there. But you're right. I guess these are Christmas movies. It Uh was they figured that, but it just... I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. And Love Actually, it actually had legs. It carried. It still is. It still surprises me that it made more money than Elf. But I that doesn't surprise me. I do want to give you your flowers, though, your due, because you were the first person I know who saw that movie and said they didn't like it. Oh, God. And then I remember going to see it thinking, everybody likes this movie. My brother's just wrong. And then I saw it. Oh, I didn't like it. So. Despise that movie so much. I, there's you and me both. So many things about that movie I just absolutely hate. But You and me both, dude. And I think more people are starting to come to that side, too, if you listen to people talk about it now. Now, I wasn't going to talk about it because I just don't like talking about this movie. But you want to just hear about the weirdest of counter-programming ever a few years ago, The Rise of Skywalker. They <laughs> opened Cats against it. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I know which one I'd rather see. That's probably <laughs> Sophie's choice for you, dude. I would rather see Cats. Really? Yeah, you know, How can you hate a Star Wars movie <laughs> and would rather see Cats? That's what I don't get, because Cats is horrible. Oh, it is. It's a nightmare of a movie. 
Jason totally. Derulo is like spraying milk all over these lady mm-hmm. cats, as, and it doesn't say, and it's not nearly as sexy as I'm making it out to be. <laughs> no, and there, there's a famous thing too with Dame Judi Dench. You can see her wedding, yes, because they didn't CGI it out. Yeah. Oh. Also, speaking of Jason Derulo, I heard that they had to make his yeah genitalia smaller yes. too for the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And then I know we were watching that one time and we couldn't figure out because Taylor's in the movie, but I thought she was the main girl. No. And everybody kept telling me, no, that's not Taylor Swift. That's somebody else. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but there's a history of our lifetime of just a wild, uh, you know, everybody's like, they should do more Barbaheimer. They should, and which they should. I think that works out well, but yeah. it's not that's not what happens it's and it's not yeah it's more common than i think people think yeah and i think with the pandemic and now things being only exclusively in theaters people are just oh my god there's so much more to do now no there is and look it's at the end of the day to see oppenheimer and barbie and my son didn't go to either of them but just my wife and i we were still 70 80 dollars out (laughs) oh yeah it's expensive (laughs) but it's i well i guess i'll finish this by saying I've got a great TV at home. I've got a great sound system. I've got all this other stuff. There was something to seeing that bomb blow up in Oppenheimer on the biggest screen I could see it on at the time. But my wife did say that she, if she ever watches again, she wants to watch it with the subtitles on so she can understand what people are saying. Totally get that. But Barbie, I've got to admit, was cool to see this movie in the theater filled with people and just the reactions that people had. The girl who calls Barbie a fascist. You could hear everybody <laughs> in the theater kind of gasping. Or nice. That's awesome. Ryan Gosling talking about why they don't have the patriarchy in Barbie land. And <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's great. <laughs> I got to see this movie now. Yeah. All right, Ty. I don't know how to end this one. If somebody needs to make a, if Christopher Nolan's going to make a movie about you that you're going to mumble your way through, where are they, <laughs> where's he going to find you? That would be a boring movie, <laughs> but no, you can find me at Seedsing, S-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I write the pop culture, sports, all that stuff on there. I'm going to write one blog today before I go on vacation, so people are going to not be able to deal with me the rest of this week, but go back and read my old stuff, Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on some episodes of Chucklehead Chat hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams, wherever you get those podcasts. I think I'm going to be on that again soon. Look out for that. Most importantly, they'll listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out our Patreon, and as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that seed saying. Also, go and find First Watch Rewatch. You can look it up under Public Forum Productions or First Watch Rewatch. We just, Tina and I just did the Canon film, The Apple, which is just still incredibly wild. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it still blows my mind. And we, I've gotten some good response so far, mostly of people of like, I didn't know this movie existed and why'd you tell me it's existed? Because now <laughs> I'm mad. I'm going to put out the one we did about the Cleveland Browns cinematic universe here. Nice. And then let's see. I, you've got to watch Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth yep. Dimension. I'm going to watch The Room. Oh, I can't wait for you to watch that. <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to watch Grease 2 and do that one with Tina. So I've got... Okay. The next three, but I need more. It comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month, so come on over. Tell us, or if you're interested in doing it yourself, no. tell me. I've got a few other movies that uh, I've got in the hopper. but I'm thinking of some, too, as yeah. well. So that's uh, As a matter of fact, I'm going to watch Buckaroo Bonsai probably tonight, so just to refresh my nice. memory on that one. Another movie nice. that you, like did terrible in the box office and has gone on to legendary status, so. 
<laughs> all right. With all that being said, thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the X Millennial Man podcast, where we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows, and have a fabulous adults only vacation time. Thank you. Stay fresh, cheese bags. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.